to know Him and follow Him, to lead others to know and to follow Him. And again, that's the bottom line. That's simply the reason, folks. Cut through all the, the other... Uh, I want to say red tape. We don't have a lot of red tape here. But cut through all the programs, cut through all the things that we do, and get down to the bottom of it. The very reason why the church exists, our mission is simple. We are to point people to Jesus Christ and then inspire them to live the life of true discipleship. To live the cross-shaped life. Everything we do as a church needs to be tied to and built around that reason and that one statement. We are to become disciples of Jesus who make disciples for Jesus. Now what I want to do is explain to you and and share with you what the cross-shaped life is. Uh, And actually, that's what the sermon that I started two weeks ago, that's what it's all about, folks. We're going to look at that this morning. Now, remember, the week before last, when I started this sermon, I told you the first step to living the life of true discipleship, to living the cross-shaped life, is answering this question. Ask yourself this question and answer it. Do I have a spiritual birth certificate? Because you cannot point people to Jesus Christ unless you personally know Jesus Christ. So ask the question, do I have a spiritual birth certificate? Just like you have a physical birth certificate that shows you've been born into this world, you need a spiritual birth certificate that shows you've been born again for eternity. Just as you're born physically into a family here in this world, you need to be born again spiritually into God's family. And once you have a spiritual birth certificate, once you've been pointed to Jesus Christ and you have surrendered your life to Him and you uh, are living that cross-shaped life, the life of true discipleship, following Jesus, then, friend, you're in turn to point other people to Jesus and inspire them to live that life of discipleship, to live that cross-shaped life. Now, let me tell you something, Christian. The way you measure whether or not you're doing that and how well you're doing that is to answer the second question that marks the cross-shaped life. That's what we're going to look at today. And the question's simple, and here it is. Ask yourself this. Is my light on? Is my light on? Now, this question comes from the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of the world. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And it flows from a statement that Jesus made to people who had a desire to really know Him, to follow Him, and to live the Christian life. I want you to look at this passage. Matthew 5, let's start reading verse 14. Jesus says, Yet the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, folks, I want to explain to you what Jesus meant by shining the light. And I'll do that in just a moment. But what I want to do to start with, I want you to see the end result of letting your light shine. That is, and what Jesus is saying is we are to walk we're to talk in such a way, live our lives in such a way that that, uh, that of true discipleship and that of the cross-shaped life, we're to live it in such a way that other people see our lives and they glorify God. That's the cross-shaped life. In other words, we're not here, folks, to make bad people good or good people better. We are here and we exist to point people to Jesus Christ and to lead them to live a cross-shaped life life that glorifies God. That's why we exist, Christian. 
Now, why do you think Jesus chose the metaphor of being the light of the world? Well, I'm not a scientist, but I want you to go along with me on this. Basically, every living being depends on light for food and energy. Now, I can remember back in grade school, I, I get glimpses once in a while, but I remember this. Uh, folks, plants require light to synthesize, right? Their own food materials to live and to grow. And then those plants, they grow. Animals have to have those plants for their food needs so they can live and grow. And then we have to have those plants and animals so that we can survive and live and grow. So I would say light's pretty important, amen? Not to mention the fact, folks, that we need light to see. We need light to recognize colors. We need light to maintain a livable temperature. Because without light, there'd be no heat. And without heat, the earth would freeze. But we also need light to dry out the soil. I need a lot of light at my house to dry out the soil. But also to evaporate the water so we have rain and thereby we have water to drink. Light's important. But I want you to hear me well. Not only does the earth need light to survive physically, but friend, people need the light of Jesus Christ to live spiritually. The biggest compliment, I believe, uh, the greatest compliment that Jesus ever gave his followers is when he said, you are the light of the world. Now, folks, to know whether or not your light is on, I'm going to give you three simple questions to ask yourself this morning. Very simple sermon, straightforward sermon. And the first question is this. You want to know if your light's on and ask yourself this question. Do I see the light within me? Can I see the light? That's inside. Jesus said something that would have been very strange to those that were listening to him back in the first century and following him. He tells the crowd, look at verse 14 again. Ye are the light of the world. Now what's strange about that is Jesus earlier in John chapter 8 verse 12 made this statement. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Say he was the light of the world, and then Matthew he's saying that we are the light of the world. Now, which one's right? Well, folks, both of them are right. The light that Jesus is talking about is he himself, he is the true light of the world. But a follower of Jesus has Jesus within them. Listen, the light that you have and that I have, if you're a Christian, the light is the light that's in us is Jesus Christ, and all we do is let that light shine through us. When Jesus said, you're the light of the world, he said, I'm within you, so let that light shine. Let it shine. And I want you to remember this, folks. I'm going to say it as plain as I can. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to have a certain talent. You don't have to hold a certain degree or a certain position to be light. You just allow the light of Jesus that's in you to come out of you. Now, let me be very precise and to the point. The light, Christian, that we shine is the light that we are. And the light that we are is the light that we have. And the light that we have is Jesus Christ. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you have, in effect, swallowed that light. And you not only have the life of Jesus within you, but you have the light of Jesus within you. Now, the amazing thing, every time I've read this, it's always amazed me. Amazing thing, folks, to me is who Jesus is talking to here in the Sermon on the Mount. Again, remember, this is the Sermon on the Mount. You say, where's the Mount? Well, it's in the northern part of Galilee. Matter of fact, off the, the seashore, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
As a matter of fact, I've been there and several others in the church have been there. And I've had the privilege of reading and preaching the Sermon on the Mount on the Mount where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. It is right there on the northern, in the northern part of Galilee and the north, I guess it's northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee. You say, why does that location matter? Because it tells you who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to the everyday, common, ordinary, working class folks of the day. You see, Jesus was talking to villagers, to fishermen, to farmers, to wage workers, to the common people, to the disciples of that day. And he said, you are the light of the world. You see, he wasn't speaking to the philosophers in Athens. He wasn't speaking to the generals and to the politicians and the political motivators and shakers in Rome. He wasn't talking to PhDs in, in Alexandria. He was talking, and I forgive my southern Oklahoma lingo, he was talking to the hillbillies of the day. He was talking to simple country folk of the day. And he said to them, you, yes, you, I'm talking to you. You are the light of the world. I don't know about you, but that blesses my heart. That means I don't have to be anything special to be the light of the world. I just have to belong to Jesus. I want, to, I want to beg you to do something for me. I want you to get an idea out of your head. Some of you got in your head that shouldn't be there. Somehow, many of us, we've gotten the idea they're just a few people who are the light of the world. You know, like evangelists? Yes, evangelists are the light of the world. And uh, some people say, well, that's a preacher's job. Preacher, he's the light of the world. Yes, yes, we're the light of the world. But the fact of the matter is, friend, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. God's plan is to take ordinary people and send them to other ordinary people to share an extraordinary message of light, love, life, and hope and make an extraordinary difference in other people's lives in eternity. That's God's plan. Jesus is the light of the world. His light enters into us so it will shine through us. Folks, the light that we need to see in us, other people need to see through us. That light needs to radiate. So the reason they need to see it is so they can leave spiritual darkness and come into the light of God's truth and God's love. So Jesus tells his followers, you are the light of the world. Now maybe you hear this morning, you think, well, preacher, I'm not that important, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing special. You're not hearing what I'm telling you. The only hope for this world to come out of the darkness it's in from being far away from God the only hope for this world, for people to have meaning and purpose in this life, the only hope for them to come out of the darkness of certain death and certain doom and spiritual death throughout eternity, the only hope they have is that we see the light that's within us and we let the light of Jesus Christ shine through us. So I'm asking you, do you see the light within you? The second thing I want you to see or ask yourself this question. Do I show the light before me? Now understand, you and I, we don't generate the light. Okay? You just show the light. You just uncover the light. You just make sure there's nothing between someone and the light. Because Jesus goes on to say, look again, verse 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bowl or, or under a bushel. 
Every follower of Jesus Christ has the light of Jesus within them. So you know what that means? We are to be lighthouses, not dark houses. Lighthouses. We're to be like a city built on a hill. Now notice that word set, uh, or some of the English modern translations has the word built. It literally means to place or to be planted on. Now let me give you a little history here. Back in the first century, they didn't build buildings like we build them today. They didn't have bulldozers to clear off the rubble. So when a city was invaded or a city was conquered and destroyed or burnt down, what they would do is just take the rubble that was left standing of that city and they would use it to build the foundation of another city. And eventually, over time, those cities, every city, became built up on a hill. And so whether you went in the daytime uh, with the sunlight shining off the, the walls of those limestone rocks, it was bright, or you went at nighttime and the, the houses were lit with candles and torches, either way, the city could be easily seen from a long ways off. So what does that have to do with us? Well, just like a city would be placed or built on a hill, a specific place, that's exactly what God has done with us. Listen to me, Christian. It is no coincidence that you work where you work at. It's no coincidence that you're in a particular neighborhood or you go to a particular school or you're associated with a particular uh, ball team or, or club or whatever it may be. Everywhere you have been put, You've been put there by God like a city on a hill to shine the light of the gospel. Not by accident. Also, we're not put, we're not to, to put our light under a bowl. We're not to, to have a light and then hide that light. When God saves us, He saves us to shine. Now, let me say this. All of us have lighting in our houses, or I would think all of us, we have electricity, Right? Unless another storm blows through, you got electricity in your house. Now, why is it, folks, that we have electricity in our house? We have lights in our house. Oh, we don't want to sit in the dark. I mean, that's true. We don't want to sit around in the dark. We want light. Well, likewise, God has not sent us Christians into our dark neighborhoods or dark places of work or offices or schools just to sit in the darkness with everybody else. We're to show others where that light is, who that light is, and how to come to that light. There are so many ways. It's simple. So many ways you can show your light. You realize you can do it, Christian, at a restaurant by bowing your head to pray before you eat your meal? Or you can, when the waiter or waitress comes, you can tell them, hey, we're going to pray over our meal in just a few moments. Is there anything in your life that I could pray for you about? You say, well, I couldn't ask somebody that. Why not? We make small talk about weather and politics and ball and everything else. Why could you not do that? Or put a Bible on your desk at work. You know, I remember back uh, when I was at the fire station, me and another boy who was a Christian, we began to have prayer before the shift started every morning. Now, we did not make everybody else come. We were the officers. We didn't make everybody else get involved in that. But we were having prayer. Within about two months' time, guess what? All eight of the guys on the crew were coming in and saying, hey, we're going to have prayer before we shift start this morning. We're going to have prayer. I had the opportunity to lead several of those boys to Christ over the years. I didn't force nothing on them. I used to leave a Bible laying 
on my desk at the station, but also carried a Gideon New Testament in the inside of my bunker coat pocket. Because there were many times, and I'll never forget one, after a house fire. Fire's knocked out. We come out. We begin pulling our bunker clothes off that Bible. It's worn, wet, and stained. Falls out of my pocket. One of the neighbors sees it, and she comes over, and I didn't see it fall, and she picks it up and hands it back to me. Folks, that's all it took to be able to share the light of Jesus Christ with somebody trapped in darkness. Now, listen to me. Let me make something clear here. You may take offense to this. Well, I don't want to offend anybody, but if the phone's ringing, pick it up. Okay? Let me be straight with you. Some of you need to quit hiding your light. You need to stop hiding your light where you work at. You need to stop hiding your light at school. Stop hiding your light at Walmart or whatever grocery store you go to throughout the week. Stop hiding your light at community events and cookouts and ball games and at the golf course or wherever you might be. You're not called to keep your light hid, Christian. You're called to shine your light in a dark world. Now, I'm not, and I want to make something clear. I'm not asking you to shine your light in somebody's face and be annoying about it. I'm not talking about being overbearing, pushy, or obnoxious. I'm talking about in your everyday walk, Christian, in your everyday talk, take advantage of every God-given opportunity to let people know that the light of the world lives in you, and you simply want to show them that light. It can be through inviting them to come to church. It can be through inviting them to come to Sunday school. It could be through you being there when a co-worker or a neighbor is going through a tough time and you let them know, hey, I'll be praying for you. I'll be thinking about you. See your light. Show your light. So ask yourself these questions. Is your light on? Well, ask yourself, do I see the light within me? And ask yourself, do I show the light before me? And then the third thing, do I shine the light beyond me? Look at verse 14, 15 again. Folks, it's not enough just to show your light. You need to see how far you can shine that light for Jesus. Verse 14, 15, again. Yet a light of the world, a city that's set on a hill, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick or a lampstand, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. If you are truly a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, then I want you to listen and listen well. You need to shine your light brightly, and you need to hold your light highly. Now, I know. I get it, folks. Church, I get it. Many of you perhaps work at a place where there are a lot of unbelievers, and you work with a lot of people who have no time for God, no heart for God. They don't care about the things of God, about church, or anything, any spiritual matter. And I, I realize you're thinking to yourself right now, preacher, you don't know what you're asking of me. I'm in a dark, dark place. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Where does light shine the best and the brightest? In the darkest places. And let me ask you this question. Who needs the light the most? People that are caught in the deepest, darkest places. Let me encourage you, do not let darkness intimidate you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you, Christian? Light should never, ever be intimidated by darkness. Darkness is intimidated by light. 
No matter how dark your surroundings are, I want you to remember, I've said this before, but it's worth hearing a thousand times. All the darkness in the world can't put out the light of one candle. And I want, I want you to take this to heart. Listen to me. The darker the darkness is around you, Christian, the brighter your light for Jesus Christ ought to be shining. And I'll tell you why, and I'll just be honest with you about it. If Christians were really shining the light of Jesus in a dark world around them, we would not have so much darkness in the world today. That's the truth. Listen, don't be afraid. Darkness cannot conquer light. Never has, never will. It's, and think about this. It's not even your light that's shining anyway. It's, it's Jesus' light. Think about it, folks. What's the most important light? And I don't know how else to do this, but just be simple about it. What's the most important light? Is it the chandelier that hangs over the foyer, the entryway, you know, beautiful chandelier that people see when they walk in? Maybe it's that beautiful chandelier that hangs over your dining room table. Is that the most important light in your house? Or is it that $2 night light you got at Walmart that keeps you from breaking your neck when you get up in the middle of the night going to the bathroom? More important. I don't know about you, but the Mickey Mouse nightlight or the Popeye nightlight is important to me, especially at 2 o'clock in the morning. Folks, what I want you to get is you don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be talented to shine the light. All you need to do is to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and let Jesus Christ shine through you. That's how Jesus concludes the passage. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's a very important three-letter word in that verse. Now, I hope you caught it. It's the word let. Let your light shine. <clears throat> Folks, when you get a spiritual birth certificate and, and you give your life to Jesus Christ and Christ comes to live in you and you surrender to Him on a daily basis and you love Him with all your heart, then I want you to listen to me. You don't have to force your light to shine. You don't have to make your light shine. You just simply let Jesus shine through. By the way, let me say this. Folks, the pronouns in this passage, did you catch they're all plural? When Jesus is talking uh, about you and, and about your light, he was talking to everybody. He was talking to all of us. He was talking to the church down through the ages. And I don't know about you, and I hope you agree with me on this, but I want our church to be so full of the light of Jesus that people can see that light in every community for miles around us. I want people, when they see and think of Southside Baptist Church, they say, you know, at Southside, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. That's what's important to me. Why is our light shine? We look at verse 16 again. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let me ask you something. What is the greatest way a person can glorify God? It's by giving their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, that's the greatest way to glorify God. The only hope, again, for the darkness of this world is the light of our witness, the light of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, we can't all be preachers. We can't all be teachers, but we can all see the light within us. We can all show the light before us, and we can all shine the light beyond us. 
Now, I'm talking to church folks here. I'm talking to those who are believers and members of Southside Baptist Church. But if what I say fits you, then I want you to listen to it, whether you're a member or not. If you're a believer, go ahead and take this to heart. I'm going to tell you something. It's time for the church to wake up, to come out of the darkness, and to let the light shine. Paul told the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Folks, we need to take our light out from under the bowl that we've been hiding it under and put it on a lampstand where everybody can see Jesus. That needs to happen. It's not happening. Why? Because we've been hiding the light. How many of you know the name Dr. D. James Kennedy? Great, great conservative Bible teacher and preacher, author and theologian. Pastored for many years in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Passed away back in 07. But he was a, a, not only, again, a great pastor, teacher, and, and writer, but he also founded the program, the evangelistic program, Evangelism Explosion, back in 1962. Well, one time, uh, Dr. Kennedy was telling a story being interviewed on television at a television station in a large city here in America. And he said the young woman who was the co-anchor of the local news team that was interviewing him uh, began to ask him, about living the Christian life in a secular culture. And she, uh, near the end of the interview, she said this, Dr. Kennedy, there are a lot of people watching right now who don't really know what a Christian is or what you mean when you talk about being born again. Why don't you explain that to them right now? Dr. Kennedy said he was shocked, but he took advantage of the opportunity. And he explained what it meant to get out of spiritual darkness and come to the light of Jesus Christ. And he explained what it meant to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to be born again. Well, they broke for a commercial. And when they broke for a commercial, uh, Dr. Kennedy asked the, the, the newswoman, he said, are you sure the station is going to run this interview? He said, I can't believe you just allowed me to share God's plan of salvation on television. And she smiled at him. She said, oh yeah, they'll allow me to run. As a matter of fact, it's already been run. This is a live telecast. Dr. Kennedy said, well, in that case, my dear, you might better be looking for a new job because you may get fired. She laughed at him and said, no, Dr. Kennedy, I won't get fired. She said, tell you what, I'll tell you all about it because we're coming back from commercial." So they come back from the commercial break and they uh, finish the interview. When the program was over, Dr. Kennedy was visiting with this young woman. And uh, she said, let me tell you why I'm not worried about losing my job. She said, Dr. Kennedy, do you see uh, the man that's been working the camera for us? He said, yeah. She said, three years ago, I led that man to Jesus Christ. She said, Dr. Kennedy, my co-anchor that you met before the program started, she said, about two years ago, I led him to Jesus Christ. She said, my station manager, the one that has the final say about what is aired and what is not aired at this stage, she said, about four or five years ago, I led him to Christ. And she said, oh, and by the way, the man who owns this TV station, she said, it started all with him. About six years ago, I led him to Christ. She said, so you see, I'm not about losing my job. She said, in fact, I would be worried about losing my job if I hadn't given you the opportunity to shine your light for Jesus Christ. Friend, listen to me. That's what I've been preaching about for 30 minutes. 
That's what I've been telling you. You cannot be light on the outside until you have the light on the inside. And everybody in this world is either in light or they're in dark. Now, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins to take care of the darkness of sin and death. But, friend, He came out of the grave three days later so He could be to us and through us light of the world. So, just simply, let me ask you this question before I close. If you say you know Jesus Christ, you profess to be a born-again child of God, then let me ask you, is your light on? Is it on? You say, not really. Within one of two things are wrong in your life, friend. Either number one, you're hiding your light under a bowl, and you need to have some courage and step up, step up and stand up for Jesus Christ. Or number two, you don't have a light to begin with. And you need to go back to the first step and get a spiritual birth certificate. That way your light will shine. Is your light on? Would you bow your heads, please? Just a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. I'll be right down front. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've never received that spiritual birth certificate, that's the first step, friend. You need to come and give your life to Jesus today. You say, I don't understand all about it. But I can tell you. I can tell you all you need to know when you come up, and I can start you on the right path. You need to give up on self. You need to give up on pride. You need to cling to Jesus Christ. That's first. Now, but your light hasn't been shining, then you need to pray that God gives you the courage to uncover that light and let it shine in the dark world around you. We are to become disciples of Jesus Christ and make disciples for Jesus Christ. So are you a disciple? You say, yes, I am. Are you making disciples? If not, you need to be. Is your light shining? Father, I pray for those who need to make a decision this morning. They would have the courage to do so. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your strength and your encouragement. Father, forgive us for not shining the light as we should. And I pray you'd give us opportunities to do so. In Christ's name, amen. You stand, please. Anybody else?
Maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you've never made it public. You never followed the Lord in baptism. Maybe you're looking for a church home. I don't know what God's dealing with you in your heart and life. This is your opportunity to follow and be obedient. As Teresa continues to play, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please. God is still dealing with some people. Maybe God's dealing with your heart. Say, preacher, you're trying to talk me into it? Nope. Told you many times, I can't. if I can talk you into it, somebody else talk you out of it. But if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, why not just give up? And follow his leadership. Just a moment. We're going to sing one more verse. If nobody comes, we'll close the invitation. Brother Ard, one more verse. You don't have these, brother. I know you don't. Folks, this is Ben Whitaker, and Ben comes uh, this morning desiring membership in our church by letter from First Baptist Church, Panama, Oklahoma. And uh, if you'll praise God for what he's doing in Ben's life in our church, say amen. amen. Uh, come on, let Ben know that he's welcome. Uh, glad he's part of our church family. Uh, Brother Ben is one of the young men that went through the class that Damon and I taught on practical ministry not long ago, and he has experience in the ministry. Uh, some of y'all heard him preach uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, Ben is coming to be part of our family and to serve in our church. He's been helping and serving with Damon, I guess, for one week, <laughs> a whole one week. Uh, he's worried, but... but uh, Remember to pray for Ben, and, and we have some other young men still in our church that are not pastoring some play. Uh, remember to pray for him. Uh, we're working with these guys, uh, trying to help any way we can. And folks, you know how passionate I am about it. We need godly, conservative, biblical preachers in our churches. And so that's one of the reasons that, that uh, I, I know Brother Damon is as well passionate about helping uh, guys younger than us. And you don't need to say it. I know that most uh, preachers are younger than me nowadays. I understand that. There's still some older guys around. You're not starting off very good laughing at me like that, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I am thankful that, that, again, that God's God's seen our church to be worthy to do this. And I praise Him for it.
I ask you to come back tonight, folks. I will be starting to study the book of Revelation tonight. Some folks had asked me about that. Uh, they say, how long is it going to be? About, I don't know, <laughs> probably about 40 weeks, if I'm guessing. Now, tonight I won't have outlines, but next week I will have outlines made up with bullet points to help you follow. And I know people say, well, Revelation is so hard. If it is, then it's got the wrong name. Okay? I encourage you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Brother Paul Mode, would you pray and dismiss us, sir?